in News Talk 95.3, Michiana's channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw? R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right, so some of the stuff that we have coming up for you today. Uh, what exactly is the deal with Dominion Machines? A lot of you have asked me about all of that. I'll go over some of the stuff on what I know and, and kind of give you the rundown of the basics. And then also there was 200, 200 boxes of uncounted ballots that have been found. <laughs> I'll tell you where and what's going on a little bit later. And don't forget, Open Line starts at 4 o'clock also. So you got about an hour before Open Lines kick in. Start thinking about some of the questions you might want to ask. I've had a lot of, lot of questions about transition and that sort of thing. What's going to happen there? Uh, and so I want to turn our attention to COVID because I want to do a bit of a reset on this based on some of the comments that came through yesterday. And there's just a, you know, there's a lot of people who they're misinterpreting what I am saying. And I think it's because I haven't done a reset in a while. And so I wanted to go ahead and I wanted to go through and I wanted to kind of explain, let's do a reset, time out, calm down, that sort of stuff. First of all, what I do when I do my COVID coverage is I'm trying to give you the most accurate information possible. A lot of that deals with national scope. Then there's the local scope. Well, things locally on the Indiana side of the border are very different than they are nationally. And it is imperative that, you know, you understand that when I'm talking about a national thing, I'm not necessarily discounting what is happening locally. And I try to put that in my segments where I say, you know, obviously Indiana is a little bit different, and but we go back into the other thing. And what ended up happening yesterday, a couple of people um, who are in the medical field weren't exactly understanding what I was talking about per se. So when I talk about what's happening nationally with the number of hospitalizations, the confusion between people hospitalized with COVID versus for COVID, that sort of thing. Now, those are all legitimate stories. And I've been talking about this since, um, you know, since uh, June and July, that there is a discrepancy in the way that the numbers are reported. Um, and there's a lot of, by the way, left-wing publications that have picked up on this as well. And they're starting to understand that the way that the numbers are being presented to the American people is very confusing, leaves out a tremendous amount of context. And that's where people start getting confused. Locally speaking, folks, Indiana's not in a good spot. And we told you to be prepared for this. The possibility that there was one going to be a fall surge has always been an assertion going back to the absolute beginning of the pandemic. All right. Everybody has been talking about that. You know, you should have been aware of it. You should have been prepared for it. Uh, before Labor Day, everybody mentioned it again. I had already been telling you Mask mandates aren't working anywhere. Everywhere there's a mask mandate, there's a surge in the virus everywhere. So you have to be prepared for, for there to be some kind of a surge. The other option was that potentially we get to herd immunity. You never know. If you've been listening to this radio show for any length of time, any length of time, you know that I have already told you on more than one occasion, we're all going to get this thing. Because there is not a single thing devised that stops it. Not lockdowns, not masks, 
not anything. The only hope is a vaccine at this point in time, which the vaccines are close and they appear to be effective. And I know that a lot of you don't want to take them. And I respect that, by the way. I think that's fine. I, others don't. But I just want you to understand that, that I do respect that decision. But, you know, it, there, is, there is a good chunk of mythology out there about the virus. And people are overestimating their risk still. Now, when I talk about those things, it's not because I'm trying to tell you that the virus is a hoax. That's I've never, ever said that. I was bashed early on for covering the virus regularly from December 31st and then covering it every single day starting on January 14th. And a lot of people felt that I was I was giving it too much attention. It wasn't a big story. And I kept telling you, pay attention to this. This is going to blow up. And it did. It blew up in a different way than I was expecting because it crossed over to the Western world. And we all came back from that weekend. Italy got hit on, on that Sunday. And we said, all right, this is clearly going to be something that hits the Western world too. A lot of these viruses don't. You know, so again, initial skepticism is, all right, here we go. We've got another SARS thing. And it usually just doesn't bother Westerners. Well, this one did. And the moment it crossed into Italy, everybody understood what was coming. So we've been covering this since January 14th. And again, I'm not trying I'm not trying to be braggadocious here. But of the available information that has been out there, I have been able to give you the accurate information a heck of a lot quicker than pretty much anywhere else that that I've seen. And that includes how some health officials and some of the so-called uh, media experts have been completely off base and wrong. And how the media has been doing and telling their audience to do the exact opposite of what experts have been saying from the very beginning. And that's not okay. It's What they're doing is not okay. The way that they're handling it is not okay. The way that local governments and local health officials are trying to seize power in this dictatorial fashion is not okay. That doesn't mean when I come on this show and I give you actual data and I give you what epidemiologists globally are telling you, that doesn't mean that I am dismissing the virus. And I've never done that. I've always told you the virus is worse than the flu. But if you're under the age of 50, your chances of dying from the flu are a lot higher than dying from COVID. That's unless you have a comorbidity. That is a statistical factual reality and it's one that i believe the media is derelict in their duties for not telling you the information is universally acknowledged as true in the medical and scientific community the media what they do instead is they find somebody who's under the age of 50 particularly somebody under the age of 30 who dies from covid and they blow it up as an example of how you can die from covid Everybody understands that you can die from COVID under the age of 50. The statistical likelihood of that happening, if you're a healthy person, is less than the seasonal flu. Now, again, I am not minimizing that there are people out there who are in huge danger from the virus. I've always acknowledged that. I've always done my best to pass that on to all of you. But there are people who, and maybe it's because they're new listeners or or they hear part of a segment. I don't know. 
who think that I have minimized the virus. One of the one of the things that has been going on from the very beginning of this is that you have anybody who points out the fact that the seasonal flu is worse for you under the age of 50. Anybody who points that out, that now gets converted by the intellectually dishonest out there, a lot of them in the media, to you think the virus is a hoax. I have I have run into exactly one person who thinks the virus is a hoax. One. I have not run into a single person beyond that. Not a single one. Everybody I know knows that the virus is real, but that the the so-called cure, which it isn't, but the so-called cure that the powers that be are pushing right now are worse than the disease. Therefore, it doesn't make any sense to do the things that we know already don't work, like lockdowns and masks. It doesn't make any sense to push those as gospel when we know that they don't work. Now, you can always push them in a different context, or you can readjust your marketing of masks to make sure that people are actually cleaning the masks and changing their masks and maybe things will get a little bit better for for uh, droplet infections that way but we also know that most of the infections don't come from droplets they come from aerosolized virus and none of the masks work on that folks i'm sorry it's just again that's that's what the scientific data the statistical reality is is having a mask on better than nothing if it's a clean sanitary first time used mask probably but we don't have enough data to prove that it is and so my position is if you're using a clean mask only one time and you're not reusing it and it's not infected um, I don't have an issue with you wearing it most of you aren't doing that most of the people around the world are not doing that and as a result you have epidemiologists all across the world who think now that the masks might actually be making the infections worse because they're infected and they're spreading it by repeatedly moving the mask around taking the mask into multiple locations and it's already contaminated okay now we don't know if that's true it's just speculation why because it's not been researched the largest study on masks and covid can't get published they've tried to be published in three medical journals they cannot get published we don't even know what their conclusions are all they've speculated at is their conclusions are, quote, controversial. But it's the largest one on masks and COVID that has been done in the entire world. Most of the other stuff that you see in the news, preliminary lab results. They're not scientifically valuable. And they're, generally speaking, those preliminary lab results in the scientific and medical community are just a stepping stone to actually do a real study. It's proof of concept, if you will. It's not an actual study. And under normal circumstances, they are never considered to be scientifically valid. Never. But somehow, those results have become the go-to for the press. Now, that does not mean, that does not mean that I am telling you that there isn't a real problem with the virus there certainly is especially in india uh, elkar general hospital is not doing well right now there's no doubt about that 
Now, one of the big issues that we're running into is supply of staff. Staff gets exposed to COVID, staff has to quarantine, and then there's nobody to man the bed. So they start running low on, on personnel. So personnel get overworked, they get super stressed. That's one of the biggest issues that we're seeing in places that are having a, a run of the virus right now. But, you know, to clarify, I have never at any point in time told you that the virus is, one, not a big deal, two, is not real, uh, three, isn't a serious health risk to a segment of our population. My whole position is they're telling you to do things that don't work, and they're threatening to put you in jail or give you a fine if you, if you don't do the things that don't work. They're encroaching upon your freedoms in order to push things that we already know don't work. Um, and I resist against that, as everybody should. doesn't make any sense to do those things. Now, with that said, a good friend of mine, my former producer in Las Vegas, not Tim, former producer in Las Vegas, uh, she came down with COVID, and she did something that I think is pretty interesting. After she came down with COVID, she noticed that she was trying to find symptoms and kind of how the the virus feels to people who are in the middle you know people who are not asymptomatic but are also not hospitalized what what information exists for people that are in the middle now most of the people that i know who got the virus uh, were asymptomatic or lost their sense of taste and then i know one person who was hospitalized because of it so and then some of you listeners out there that i don't know personally um you guys, um, you know, I, I, I'm leaving you out of the equation because I don't know you personally. So I apologize about that because I know some of you have written about your experiences uh, on the Discord server or the live stream. But what she did is, is she went through and she actually wrote down everything that happened to her over the course of two weeks. Just so you can get kind of an idea of what might happen if you're not asymptomatic and if you're not going to be in the hospital because of it. And I thought it was a pretty good write-up because she says she couldn't find one anywhere. So I figured I would pass it on to you because apparently there is a lack of information on this. So I'm going to read that for you coming up. Kind of let you know what she went through, what you can expect if you're not asymptomatic or if you're not uh, severe enough to be hospitalized. We have that coming up on 95.3 MNC. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Once again, I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. So a friend of mine, my former producer in Las Vegas, she got COVID. She's in Colorado now. Um, and she is in the middle of the road. She d isn't asymptomatic, and she's not a hospitalized serious case. But um, nonetheless, she doesn't feel good. And she was looking everywhere for some kind of some kind of information on what people in the middle can expect and she couldn't find one so she decided to go ahead and publish her diary on it so sunday november 1st this is the last time that i left the house all parties i interacted with that day have been alerted none have shown symptoms of any kind as of this post monday the second i felt a little dizziness in the morning but totally normal otherwise tuesday november 3rd I had a nasty headache all day with a minor sore throat. Knew something was afoot, but was still functional. This is where they're starting to think that I had it now back in uh, February. Because I had a sore throat. I had that headache. I felt really miserable for like a day and a half. 
And that's when my quarantine started, which is way earlier than almost everybody else. Um, and, you know, it's why I've been out of the studio for so long. But at the time, that wasn't a symptom. So my doctor was saying, I don't think I have it. And keep in mind, there wasn't a test that existed then. I don't think you've had it, uh, that you have it, but, you know, stay home just, just anyway. And then work was basically, you know, let's just have you work at home from now on, just, you know, just to be sure. So that's what we've done. Now they're thinking, because my symptoms do match up with COVID, that maybe I did have it. So I don't know. I uh, haven't, haven't had an antibody test, and I don't know that it would really show up at this point in time. I, I may donate blood just to figure it out, but I don't know. Uh, Wednesday, November 4th, slammed immediately with a headache, cough, and a brutal bout of fatigue. I spent all day in bed, slept 13 hours, uh, according to Fitbit. November 5th, all day in bed, headache continues, sore throat gone, weird chest pressure on deep breaths, slept 15 hours, only day that I actually had a fever. And again, the fever thing, which is something they were doing for a long time and they still do, um, they, they do this in school. The fever is not an indicator of you having the virus. Uh, so you often have the virus for several days without a fever, and sometimes you never develop a fever. So I'm glad that she put that in there. So she went five days with no uh, four days before she developed a fever. Uh, Friday, the 6th, the start of full body aches. Still mostly in bed, but slightly more mobile. Chest pressure continues. Can mostly hold a conversation again. Saturday, the 7th, finally able to move around more, but in a great deal of muscle pain. Chest pressure, gone. Sunday, the 8th, runny nose. Sinus congestion begins. Lost my sense of smell in the evening. More like a person, but not very sure that I have the Rona, doctor agrees. November 9th, back to work, remotely. Full body aches, now gone. Stomach issues on this day only. Sense of taste and smell, completely gone. Notice how long it took her to lose her sense of taste. A lot of people um, have told me that they knew they had the virus because they lost their sense of taste, and that was the only symptom they had. But it took her, you know, nine days to develop that symptom. So if you have it, there's a good chance you've had it for a while. Uh, the 10th, Tuesday the 10th, mental faculty is much improved. Sinus, sinus crud continues. This now feels like an aggressive head cold and exhaustion. Wednesday the 11th, lab test confirms I am COVID positive. Now, she's okay. She says no reason to, to, to worry. She's, she's on the mend. She's able to work. She's recovered. Her job is okay. Um, her partner that lives with her is not sick, has not developed COVID. So, you know, recommendations, again, wear your mask, uh, clean, sanitize mask, uh, wash your hands. Which is, I think the biggest thing that we've gotten away from is washing our hands and uh, social distance and all of that stuff. So there you go. Um, and I, look, I can't tell you how, how many times I see this. People wear the mask and you were warned in March not to do this. People wear the mask and they think they don't have to socially distance anymore. It's not how it works. The mask is not, the, again, we have to go back to all of the data that I've given you over the, the pandemic, over this past almost year now. The mask is the least effective tool in your chest. The media and even some health officials telling you it's the most important are straight up, they're, they're lying to you. They don't have another answer and it's the only thing that they can get you to do. It's not the most effective. There exists no research, no data. I have scoured everywhere to find it. 
It doesn't exist. All of the data is contrary to that. The mask is a tool chest, uh, a tool in your tool chest. It has to be clean, has to be used one time, and then replaced with a clean, sanitized version of it. Really, is that simple? And there's, I, you know, again, I do these remotes, and I love you all, but there's a lot of people wearing that mask who feel like they can get like one, two feet from me you know, while wearing the mask because they have the mask on. But you still have to socially distance with the mask. The social distance stuff without a mask doesn't work. (laughs) The plume of droplets continues to spread throughout the air. The mask is what creates the ability for the social distancing to work. That's where the mask is is, uh, most useful in this whole process. So, again, uh, washing your hands, socially distancing, you know, that sort of thing, avoiding large crowds if you can. Those are still, to this day, the most effective measures of preventing yourself from getting the virus. But at the end of the day, as I've told you before, they have absolutely nothing that actually works. It's all a suggestion. It's all designed to give you your best chance of avoiding infection. Uh, My position on this and the increasing position of the medical community is that you're going to get it. There just isn't much you can do about it. So, Um, The good news is the overwhelming majority of you will have a relatively minor reaction. Others will have a reaction like my friend here that I just went over. And a a smaller chunk of you, unfortunately, are going to probably deal with a hospital visit. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Casey Hendrickson. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, open line starts at 4 o'clock. You can call about any old thing that you want. A couple of things we have coming up for you today. What exactly is the deal with those Dominion machines? Uh, Again, those open lines, again, starting at 4 o'clock. But first, I wanted to talk about about 200 boxes of uncounted ballots have been found a week after the election. This is in Puerto Rico. Now, I know some of you are going, well, it's, it's okay, Casey, it's just Puerto Rico. But, you know, I want to highlight just a broader possibility that this could happen everywhere, uh, which it has in many elections in the past. So I just wanted to throw that out there. They did find ballots that were uncounted in a bunch of these battleground states. That, that has happened. Not not this extent, but it, I wanted to read this story. Very interesting stuff. So nearly 200 boxes of uncounted ballots have been discovered in Puerto Rico. And again, week after the election. First, they said they found four boxes of uncounted votes. Then it was 50. Last night, it was 100. That's the election observer, Farman Areza, to the New York Times. I get there this morning, and it's 115 boxes. Now I think it's 190. (laughs) The uncounted ballots were uncovered in a secured vault, according to the commission's new president, who blamed the, quote, disorganized, he said, was an underfunded and understaffed administrative board in charge of counting a record number of early and absentee votes. We've identified, much to our regret, a disorganization of the handling of material in the vaults. Misplaced, poorly organized, we have to admit that. Good God. 200 boxes, almost, of ballots. (sighs) <sighs> uh, I think well, there's about 500 ballots per box, I think. 
Um, so Rosado said there's many as 500 ballots were found in a single box on Wednesday morning. Uh, so the boxes could have contained between three and 4,000. Good Lord, votes. Three and 4,000 votes. It's, I mean... This is not the first time that we've heard of something like this. We have multiple elections where this is this is played out. And this is just obviously a big example of it in a very small place. I know it's just Puerto Rico. I'm just, I'm just yeah. <laughs> one, of my, one of my listeners on uh, on the, the DLive live stream says, they're all for Biden too. Look, <laughs> I, we've seen it happen so many times in so many different elections that, you know, you kind of laugh, but it's serious. It's always serious, and it always seems to show up in the same fashion, right? It always seems to show up in places that are are deeply blue, as far as the mass scale stuff, deeply blue, and it always seems to benefit Democrats. It just It's just one of those things. Nobody has confidence in the system. The system has to be altered, has to be changed. Uh, if you have suggestions for that or questions about that, give us a call during open lines at 4 o'clock. I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, I have ideas, obviously. Other people have ideas, certainly. We, we can go over that and how to change the election system. So, so again, we don't run into these issues every single time there's an election. We've got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Open line starts in about six minutes. Have your questions, have your comments ready to go. Give us a call, 574-2595-953. That is 2595-953. Be happy to go ahead and take your calls in the order that we get them, by the way. A Pennsylvania judge has ordered that ballots of voters who failed to provide proof of ID may not be counted. Aha! So some Pennsylvania mail-in voters who took advantage of a deadline extension to provide missing proof of ID won't have their ballots counted, according to state rules. Now, uh, there's a lot of questions about this, and, and so I just wanted to take a moment here and just address this. So in some states... Pennsylvania being one of them, um, you know, you send in your mail-in ballot, but you don't prove who you are. So they, they have your address, they have your name, but you didn't prove who you are, that you're the person who actually filled out the ballot. So you have a couple of days to fix that. And they get, you know, volunteers to go to your house to verify your identity and then bring all of that information back and then your ballot can be counted. Now, that's normal. A lot of people were wondering what was going on, but that's normal. That can happen. The problem with that, is that they were instructed in some places to give as much help as possible to Democrats and as little help as possible to Republicans. That's wrong. It's a form of fraud. Can't do that. Um, so there is, I think there's a pending legal case on that already. So there's a real issue there. So um, that's kind of what was going on. Sending people to help people verify their identity, that's normal. But having them actively benefit one side over the other is not okay. All right. So Pennsylvania is where this story is from. Uh, so some Pennsylvania mail-in voters who took advantage of a deadline extension to provide missing proof of ID will not have their ballots counted, according to the state. 
State law said that voters have until six days after the election this year, that was November 9th, to cure problems regarding a lack of proof of identification after the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that mail-in ballots could be accepted three days after the election. Pennsylvania Secretary of State Kathy Bukvar submitted guidance that said proof of identification could be provided up until November 12th, which is six days from the ballot acceptance deadline. Keep in mind, that Supreme Court ruling is a violation of the law, and the U.S. Supreme Court um, is likely going to have to weigh in on that particular ruling. And contrary to popular belief, the U.S. Supreme Court does have precedence here over the state Supreme Court. There is confusion that the Supreme Court can't come in and overrule a state Supreme Court on something like this. However, U.S. law says the Supreme Court can if it involves a federal issue, which obviously an election for the president of the United States does. So yes, the U.S. Supreme Court is the high court here, not the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Uh, that guidance was issued two days before Election Day. Uh, this was in line with the Trump campaign's argument, which was that there was no basis in the state's law to extend identification deadlines, true, and that Brooke, uh, Bookvar did not have the power to unilaterally change it, also true, according to the law. This is a huge part of the Pennsylvania lawsuit. Uh, one of the questions that came up, and it comes up routinely as we talk about all of this, is does Trump actually have a chance to win? Yes, he absolutely does. And it's a lot closer. He has a better chance than a lot of people believe. It's still an uphill battle, though. You know, part of the issue is identifying which ballots specifically need to be discarded and uncounted. If you can identify those ballots, then you can target them and they can be pulled out of the overall vote count, which can flip a state. If you can't, you could prove fraud, but still not be able to withdraw any votes. So, again, Trump can win all of his lawsuits, prove mass fraud, prove organized fraud, prove that illegal votes were counted and he could still lose. But if they get enough ballots, if they're able to target specifically ballots and we know where they are, and we can pull them out of the count, he can absolutely win. He can flip a state back. Sure, absolutely. So again, Pennsylvania, <clears throat> um, part of the issue is that they accepted, they accepted ballots past the state deadline. It's illegal. All of those ballots are invalid. I said it doesn't matter what your feelings are. That's just, that's the law. And the U.S. Supreme Court was trying to not be a decider in the, the elections. The U.S. Supreme Court doesn't want to be a decider in elections. So they tried to stay out of it. The problem is by staying out of it and allow a state Supreme Court to rule in a way that was unconstitutional, the U.S. Supreme Court has now put themselves in a position where they're more responsible for election outcomes than they had hoped. They were hoping that the election would be resolved on election night and they wouldn't be needed anymore. But that is not what happens. Now they put themselves in a tighter spot. Open lines next, 95.3 MNC.